we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. You're in 1 Samuel 21, and we're going to read starting in verse number 1. And as we start in verse number 1, this is the place in David's life where he flees from the presence of Saul. And in turmoil for a number of years, actually, fleeing from Saul. And then we're going to turn to Psalm 34 and look through that psalm at David's response during this time specifically as well as throughout the the time that he was fleeing from Saul in fear and uh, in dread. We're going to see his reflections. We're going to see his thoughts. We're going to see his response. And so follow along with me starting in verse number 1. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. And what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There's no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord, to put not bread, I'm sorry, to put hot bread, excuse me, in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, and, uh, and is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, the Lord, uh, the sword, excuse me, of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. There is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish the king in Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he was afraid of Saul and running. Now he's afraid of the king of Gath, Achish. Verse 13, And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto the servants, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come in to my house? And so through this, uh, David was delivered from 
Achish, the king, and through this display, and of course, if you'll turn over to Psalm 34, uh, before verse 1, or in some of your Bibles, it may appear as, as part of verse 1, it's a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. And where we began reading in chapter 21 is where David began uh, his journey uh, fleeing from Saul in fear. And as I said, he uh, fled from Saul for a number of years, and there were ups and there were downs. And you can imagine how discouraged and how frustrated, how stressed he felt being persecuted by the man that he had been so loyal to, the pressure that was on him, the hurt in his heart, the betrayal that he felt, the struggle that was within. And so David is on the run from King Saul, and he gives us in the book of Psalms, and especially in chapter 34, some thoughts, some reflections that he has as a result of fleeing from Saul. He gives us some, some ideas here that, that help us in understanding things and having the right perspective when we are struggling. Uh, some reflections, some thoughts, some responses that we can have when we're under stress or uh, when we're under persecution. And we talked about that in Sunday school. Many of the classes taught concerning persecution this morning. The pressure, the hurt, the betrayal, the struggle. David experiences that on a level that most of us haven't nor ever will experience and God works in his heart and gives us some precious truths here. Now, these are truths that, that you know. These are truths that uh, we've seen. These are things that are familiar to us. But so often, the things that are most familiar can seem distant from understanding them until we're in a situation similar to that of David's. And there are many in this room that are. You would say you're struggling. You would say that you're hurting. You would come in with a smile on your face and shake hands and ask how you're doing and, and uh, be asked how you're doing, and you're going to say, fine, I'm, I'm doing great. It's been a great week. And yet on the inside and internally, you feel pressure. Temptation has been strong to you. You feel like you've been perhaps betrayed or hurt, and you're going through some struggles. And I just want to remind you of some things that David used to remind himself, that the Holy Spirit used to remind him as he is fleeing from Saul. And now away from everything that he knew, he had lost his influence. He had lost his position. He had no means by which to care for himself. Therefore, the first place he went to was Ahimelech to get some bread. Uh, things have changed total, totally for, for David. Radical change in the lifestyle that David had been living. And now, how is he going to respond? What is he going to do? And this psalm gives us uh, his relief of deliverance, but it also carries with it ideas that he mentions again and again. There are many psalms that are attributed to David when he was fleeing from Saul. And we see a lot of the same thoughts. And so for those years that he fled from Saul and he uh, struggled with these thoughts of what he should do and how he should respond and, and having some high days and, again, having some low days. And some days it felt like being he was overwhelmed and being hit uh, 
uh, by waves constantly and other times walking on top of those. The ups and downs of all of that, we see something in the heart of David and we're reminded of the greatness of our God. And so I want to give you just some thoughts this morning, simple truths that I hope will be an encouragement to us or that we could use to be an encouragement to somebody else. What do we do when we're in a situation like David? How do we respond and, and how are we to think and, and, and what are we to, to accomplish when, when we know things look bad and when we're struggling and under a heavy load? Let me give you some things here. David shows us in verses 1 through 3 that no matter that he's running and fleeing from Saul, God is still worthy of praise. God is still worthy of praise. Look in verse number 1. The, the psalmist starts out with, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, David can't say that without being intentional about it. He understands the, uh, the, the threat on his life. He understands the things that he's lost. And yet, in, in verse number one, he starts out with, I intentionally, I will choose, I will bless the Lord at all times. It reminds us of the Apostle Paul as he spoke to the Philippians in chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord, how often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. It reminds us of uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 20, where he says, giving thanks always for all things unto God. Or how about in 1 Thessalonians, where he says, in everything, give thanks. We understand that uh, the apostles even rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Isn't it amazing that the Bible teaches us these things, commands us to rejoice in the Lord, and we see David in a low place in his life, and yet he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, we can't always rejoice in the struggles that we face. We can't be uh, thankful for the negative things that, that we're going through and, and, and feeling at the time, but there's never a time that you and I can't rejoice in God. There's never a time that you and I can't rejoice in who he is and in what he has done. But it's a decision that we make. We can continue down the path of our thinking and focusing on negative things and struggling and, and pressures and persecutions. And listen, we have to deal with those things. We can't ignore those things but we don't have to allow them to control and to consume our lives. We can instead, understanding those things and realizing that we have no power over these things, we turn to God and we realize, God, you are still in control and you are worthy of my praise regardless of how I feel, regardless of the circumstances that I find myself in. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David understood that even in his struggles, if he would focus on the Lord and praise the Lord, not only did it help his perspective, but others who were around him would be encouraged by that very same praise. They would be encouraged to magnify the Lord with David. Why? Because David understood that God is still worthy of praise no matter the struggle that you and I face. Every situation, sickness, health, riches, poor. I just did a wedding in Indiana and I started going through the vows here. But it all applies. 
good times, bad times. It's an opportunity to magnify his name. As a matter of fact, sometimes trials make for pretty good pulpits. And I'm not just speaking about people who stand behind this pulpit, but their lives preach. There are people in this room that have preached some of the greatest sermons of faith in God and trusting him as they suffered. And you and I knew it, yet they tried to smile and they encouraged you in the Lord and they pointed you to Christ and they still told people about the grace of God. Some of the greatest preachers I've ever met are sitting in nursing homes in wheelchairs and can't dress themselves, can't feed themselves, can't comb their hair, can't brush their teeth, can't do any of those things, but they are so happy to know Jesus and so glad that they know him. We understand that no matter what we face and what we're going through, God is still worthy of praise, always. Not only that, but we see... In, in verses 4 through 7, that God hears his people. When David was in these circumstances, what did he do? Verse number 3, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Isn't it a blessing? Think about it. The psalmist says that God humbles himself to look upon the heavens and the earth just to look upon. And yet as we sang and listened to, to the choir a little while ago, he became one of us. He became man for our sake because he cares for you and I. And he hears us when we cry. We're so tempted as we've cried out to God so many times and we've put our petitions before him. We're so tempted to give up on praying and thinking that, that God doesn't hear us. But David, even in the midst of a broken heart and being betrayed and, and threatened, his life being threatened, he said, I sought the Lord. Why? Because he knew that the Lord was the only one that could help him. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And the word encampeth is a military term. It's, it's like an army surrounding a city or surrounding an enemy group, except he is surrounding us from the enemy. He is encamped around us to guard us. The scripture tells us he's above and below and in front and behind and within. God is with us. And we don't always realize that. But when we're going through the trials, we need to understand God is still worthy of praise. And God still hears the prayers of his people. Oh, verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. He hears. Only our Heavenly Father listens to our cries of pain and our pleas for help, and He acts on our behalf. He intervenes on our behalf. He is always at work. Oh, dear Christian, don't give up. Keep crying out to God. Keep asking Him to help. He hears, and He acts on our behalf. David is struggling and fleeing and betrayed and hurt. And he recognizes and reminds us that God is still worthy of praise, that God still hears his people, that God is good, that God is simply good. Look in verse number eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Lord, my circumstances are not good. 
My situation is not the way I'm used to, and it's certainly not what I want it to be. Some of the people that I thought loved me, it's not good. But God, I know no matter what, you're good. You're good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Why? Because God is good. And if you and I understand that God is good in the day of our struggle and in the time of, of our uh, trial, we can look to him and understand, Lord, I trust you. And I don't like the circumstances, but I know that you are good and I know that your purposes are good and I know that your will is good and I know that you won't allow anything in my life that you won't use for good. Why? Because God, you're good. And he has been good to you and he has been good to me. He wants us to personally experience his goodness and we will when we seek him. When things look bad, when you're struggling and you're going through a tough time, look, Number four, God is to be reverenced. God is still worthy of praise. God hears our prayers. God is good. God is to be reverenced. Look in verse 11. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You know, oftentimes as, as we're going through the struggles of life and the temptations of a day and the, the trials that seem like they'll never go away and we're overwhelmed, we have the temptation to want to justify sin. We have the temptation to say to ourselves, well, nobody cares and nobody listens and, and nobody will know and I might as well. And we, we're tempted to give in to the flesh. We're tempted to do things that we normally would not do. May I encourage you this morning that while you're going through those times, would you look into the scriptures and recognize that God is good, but he still deserves to be reverenced and fear. Satan would love to trip up God's people in the times of their hurt and of their pain. I've been tempted in, uh, to, to justify doing things that I would normally not, not do and, and making decisions that I normally wouldn't make because I'm hurting. I want to give in to the flesh, but may I say, dear friend, please don't give in. Recognize God is to be reverenced. He goes on in the psalm and says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Verse 21, evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. I don't want to be grouped with the evil. I don't want to be grouped with the disobedient. I don't want to be grouped with those that the face of God is against, especially when I'm struggling because I need him and you need him. May God help us to walk in righteousness and do what is right even when... We're being chased by the enemy, even when we're overwhelmed by the circumstances. God is to be reverenced. May I say to you, number five, that the psalmist reveals to us that 
God is compassionate. God is compassionate. Verse 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. That's encouraging, isn't it? Is your heart broken this morning? Are you overwhelmed? Are you struggling? God is nigh to those that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Have you been humbled by circumstances? God is near. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We know to expect that. We know that that's going to come. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Our God is compassionate. His mercies fail not. They are new every morning. He displays his compassion to us through his faithfulness. God is faithful to us to supply our every need. In good days and bad, he is faithful. He displays his compassion by his grace. And the, 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 the blessings that he gives us of which we are undeserving, he displays his compassion through his promises. And the word of God that gives us strength and encouragement and direction, but he also displays it through his people. When people pray, we see the faithfulness and the compassion of God to hear their prayers as they pray for us in our needs. And the same thing happened to David in chapter 22. You don't need to turn there, but the first two verses, the Bible says this, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. It was, it was David's family, it was David's friends, it was his father that had heard about what was going on and his fleeing from Saul and the attempts on his life and they wanted to be an encouragement to David. Isn't it a blessing when people understand and know when we're struggling and they try to be an encouragement? They let us know that they're praying for us. They try to show the, the grace and the compassion and the love of God in providing and, and helping us. And it goes on to say that, and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. David thought his time of leading was over, but these men convinced David that they needed him. Wasn't it a blessing when you feel like no one cares and no one's listening and you're not having an impact and you're not making a difference when people show up, and tell you that you are needed and show you that you have made a difference and that you've been a blessing. Listen, the compassion of God is seen in his faithfulness, in his grace, in his promise, and in the love and compassion of his people. And may God help us to recognize those around us who may be struggling and having a tough time. And may God help us to have the boldness and the courage to be an encouragement to them in that time and to be a help. As David struggled and went through these years of betrayal and hurt and persecution, struggling, and as you may be going through this morning the trials of your life, hardships, the pressures of a home and of marriage, finances, of relationships, let us remember this morning that God is still worthy of praise always, that God still hears your cry 
that God is good and he'll use it for good, that God is to be reverenced, that God is compassionate, and lastly, that God is our eternal redeemer. Look at verse 22. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. You know, hardships make me thankful for salvation. I can be, I remember just many times getting on my face before God, getting on my knees and, and, and praying and, and just being heavy about things and, and not knowing what to do and uh, being feeling overwhelmed and all of the different thoughts and temptations that, that come along with that. But every time I'm in my mind I go to the cross, I'm helped. I'm encouraged. I go to the cross and I see the Holy God. I see uh, Jesus Christ, the, the, the Holy Son of God, as he has given his life, as he's allowed himself to take upon us the judgment that we deserve. And to take that judgment upon him and to shed his blood and to be mistreated and abused and tormented and tortured and mistreated and nailed to a cross. And the wrath of God, the judgment of God falling upon him and him receiving that. And Jesus dying for our sins to, uh, to trade us his righteousness for our judgment, for our sin. He took our judgment that we could have his righteousness. He died our death that we could live his life. He suffered our hell that we could enjoy his heaven. It's hard to think about the cross and his death and what it meant, his burial, and then on the third day, his resurrection, and the victory over death and the victory over sin and the victory over the grave and the, the opportunity uh, to know him as Savior, to be given that opportunity to enter into a relationship as a result of the gift of God to know that because Jesus rose from the grave that he is God and that he has power to forgive and the power to give us eternal life and to put our faith and trust in him and to recognize that he has forgiven us, that he has given us a home in heaven. Listen, it doesn't take long for you and I to think about the cross and what Jesus has done. It doesn't get, uh, take us long to find ourselves rejoicing in who God is when we understand he is our eternal redeemer. Listen, folks. The sin that we deal with on the day-to-day -day basis, the, 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 the heaviness of the sin curse, the temptation of the devil, the, uh, the pressure from the world and our own wicked flesh is with us and we are affected by that every single moment of the day. But there is a better day coming where you and I understand that that sin curse will be put away that no more sin will dwell. Look, when, when we put our faith in Christ, we have victory over the punishment of sin. We have victory over the power of sin in this life, but it still affects us. But in that glad day, we'll have victory over the presence of sin. There'll be no more opportunity to sin. There'll be no more opportunity to struggle. Satan will have no more opportunity to cause havoc in our lives as we consider that he is our eternal redeemer. Even if the problems are not solved, even if the answers never come or burdens get no lighter in this life, we have a perfect eternal home to look forward to. We have eternity with God. What an anticipation and what a joy to remember 
Think of Jesus and his example of us or to us. No man suffered like Jesus suffered. No man struggled like Jesus struggled. And in the book of Hebrews, a very familiar passage to most of us, Hebrews chapter number 12, if you'd like to turn there, we find that we are to be looking unto Jesus. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us. Doing what? Looking unto Jesus. And we understand that Jesus endured like no man has ever endured. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. But he became sin for us and he endured the cross. The Bible says in the latter part of verse 2, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He has been exalted. He has excelled even through the turmoil, even through the cross. And then in verse number three, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He was energized. He was given, he was given strength. Where did the endurance come from? What was the source of his, of his energy, of his uh, being uh, excelling in something that was so awful? Well, look in verse number two again. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, simple answer to the question, who for the joy that was set before him endured, excelled, was energized, was strengthened, Jesus focused on the joy. What was that joy? That joy was January 26, 1992, when I trusted Christ as my Savior. That joy was that day when, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That joy was that day that folks around the world have given their lives to Jesus Christ. And that day he looked forward to the multitudes who would enjoy eternity and forgiveness because of that day. And because of the joy he endured. He was strengthened. Oh, listen, Nehemiah said, for the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. We are to rejoice in him. And so David realized that God was closer to him now during the most difficult times of his life than he had ever noticed when things were good. David understood that God was the only answer that he needed. And David chose to rejoice in God despite the pressures and struggles that he faced. Psalm 118, 24, this is the day that the Lord hath made, which the Lord hath made. We will what? Rejoice and be glad in it. He's not just speaking of the Lord's day, but any day. That means that when I wake up in the morning and the wave of the reality of the struggle is still there and it hits me and the frustration and the betrayal or the hurt or the burden and I wake up tomorrow morning and it hits me, I can wake up and first thing understand, God, this is the day. Before it even uh, comes to the, to the end, this is the day 
God already knows what the day is going to bring forth. I don't, but he knows. And this is the day that the Lord hath made. And I have a choice. I can rejoice in him or keep my eyes focused on all of the other difficulties of this life. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.